0: You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Hey guys, Christian Babcock here of the Hunter's Advantage Podcast today on the podcast i was joined by zach and justin from creek king outdoors you guys have probably seen these guys they're blowing up on youtube right now they've got a couple cool films out one named the prodigy and one named the turkey foot eight make sure to go check out their channel on youtube today we talked about all things hunting we talked about trail cameras we talked about leases we talked about hunting small tracts of land we just spent an hour and a half just talking about deer hunting These guys are crazy deer fanatics, and I know you guys will enjoy the episode, so let's get into it. Thanks everybody for coming back to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. This is episode number 79. Today we're joined by Zach and Justin from Creek Kings Outdoors. How's it going guys? What's up guys? Thank you guys for coming along. We're doing this on a Friday night for everybody that's listening, so that's how committed we are to, to get in the yeah, podcast yeah. in. How recently did you guys start filming and producing content for YouTube? You kind of been blowing up as of late, but yeah, it's been fun to watch.
1: Well, funny story. We actually started Creekings like five years ago when we were like, I was still in high school, wasn't I? Oh, where was I in college? You were like your first year of college? I was like fresh out of high school. He was like, not even in high school yet. And we honestly, we just love fishing. It started out as like a strictly a fishing channel. Um, We didn't really even start hunting at that point, but we released like a trailer, you know, I went to art school. So I learned how to film and all that stuff. And I was like, it'd be really cool if we just filmed our stuff because crazy stuff would would always happen. And we never got it on film. And we're like, it'd be cool to just mess around with like my editing software that I just got. And uh, we released like like our, our intro video and then we released like one eight minute video on apologizing in advance for how poor the quality was yeah. and, <laughs> and, and and then, then we, didn't, and we didn't post again for like four years and then we finally um we can get into this a little bit later but we actually um you know there was a deer that was around we had just started or we just got into hunting like for real and uh you know the deer kind of started creaking back up because it was like a really important deer for us and we had just got a camera and we started producing content, I would say last December.
2: So yeah, it would be December of
1: 2020. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's, that's, you went to art school? I did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really? I, mean, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if that was the best decision for me, but, um, I did, I went to Columbus college of art and design. I went for illustration. I had like would I could always draw and I thought that that could get me somewhere in life and I don't know, maybe it still can. No. it does what you do He's friggin- but i learned a lot of stuff about like composition and like things that actually relate into like making videos and filming and creating content and that's really helped us out as far as like our visual stuff so
0: so who edits the videos
1: he does i do yeah
0: so is you guys have like i'd say a very unique style in the way that you edit videos and tell stories and I think it's something that's really, I mean, it's already catching on, but it's definitely going to continue to catch on. Like, so you, you made all the graphics, all the intro, all that stuff for the videos. You, you edit those.
1: Everything you see is internal with Creepy. We don't really hire editors. We don't hire filmers. Like it's literally us (laughs) Us behind the camera. And then, you know, me behind the computer, just grinding it out for hours every week. And it's been a grind. And a lot of times we're like, I just don't, we just don't want to release a video, but it's, and it's really tough because for a long time we had like a hundred subs, like for a long time, we could not break that hundred barrier and we released like 20 videos and mm-hmm. it was honestly, we just did it cause we loved it. You know, like we weren't trying to make money. We weren't trying to do anything like that. We just honestly loved making videos and documenting our lives because that's really what it was about for us. Like 10 years from now, when we have kids, and, like, it would be really fun to watch, like, those the, those hunts and those things that we did in the summer. So, yeah.
0: It's pretty cool. I mean, you must be putting in a ton of effort into filming, editing, producing because the episodes are so comprehensive. They're long, and they have a lot of cuts in, in between them. I mean, how long does it take you to produce an episode?
1: Well, it varies. It varies. So, like, um, you know – one of, our, one of the videos I'm most proud of that we, like, I would say that we really enjoy the most would be Prodigy, and that's the story of the deer that got us into hunting last year. I mean, obviously, if you watch back, we ended up not actually killing that deer last year. He blew up, put on, like, 30 inches, and then this year, we documented the journey. So, it's like a two-and-a-half-year journey of actually recording every single hunt, uploading them the night whenever we get home, putting, putting them into folders, and then, like, editing them in adobe premiere um so long long answer short i would say it takes me probably three hours to edit every video um but that video like prodigy took me like probably 20 hours and that's just because it's a film you know like right it's not necessarily a goofy video where there's a bunch of cuts and we have like little gifs and memes and sounds and stuff which is like can take some time but it's just nothing as like creating an actual cinematic film out of like phone footage. Especially years ago was that because
2: it like that was three years of four years of history, three seasons of it. So it's like we very well going into where like we have to try and we don't want to make like an hour and a half long film, even though we had enough footage for it because we documented everything. Um, It's always better to work with too much than not enough. But like you said, it's more like a film. So if it's like a typical how to video or something, just an update or just a cool video it's a whole lot easier rather than basically making
1: a film. Like right. said. So it varies from three hours to 20 hours. It <laughs> yeah. The quality of the video. So
0: you guys were talking about like mainly starting it for fishing and stuff, but how long have you guys been hunting? Are you fairly new to bow hunting or, or what?
2: I've been bow hunting. This was my fifth season this past year. So like as soon as uh, we stopped making videos like that, that was in the summer and that next season. So I think we stopped in like July or August. I started hunting that September.
1: And I started hunting in 2015. A buddy of mine had got me into it. I never hunted with a gun. I've only ever bow hunted. Same with him. So, like, we don't really, like, no one in our family hunts. Like, literally, it's me. Really? He's actually my cousin. So, like, we grew up together. But um, My brother-in-law hunts, and he got me a little bit into it. Yeah, but Um, no one from my family hunts. We just kind of dug it out of the dirt.
0: That's kind of, that's so wild to me when people, like, start hunting, like, as almost adults, or pretty much adults.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was, um, yeah, like, my dad trapped a lot when he was a kid, but whenever I was a kid, I, he never took me out hunting or anything like that. Same with his dad. It's they're not really, like, that type of people, um, but, so my brother-in-law got me a bow and kind of, like, showed me the ropes a little bit of archery as far as it was, but as far as, like, going out hunting, it was just kind of, like, it's, all, all, I, all I really learned by was trial and error, and it's... That's why so many people try so hard. And I see it a lot in the new generation. Uh, I I love seeing people. I mean, I say younger people, but I am part of that. But just people getting into it. Uh, Like I said, I'm an archery tech. So I see a lot of people coming in, younger people wanting to get into it. But it's a good and a bad thing that the industry is the way that it is because it has raised everybody's standards, which is awesome because it encourages people to kill bigger deer. But if you get any Facebook chats, people are like, well, not the biggest deer and it'll – Like it's their first buck ever or something like that. And it's like, sure, your standards might not align with everybody else's, but it's like, it almost seems like people get shamed a lot nowadays for it. And that is something I feel like we as hunters should
1: definitely work on. And I think that's just like, I think that's just social media. And the fact that there are so many YouTube channels or like outdoor channels, or even just, you know, you got Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, like everyone is sharing and posting the best (laughs) of the best. So whenever you go out there on your 10 acre plot and you see like 120 inch to 110 inch deer, and that's all you can like really do, you know, you get discouraged or you might not even want to hunt. You know what I mean? So it is, it's a good and bad thing because I really enjoy seeing like the how a white tail can grow. And it's super easy to just type in big deer and find them on just about anything, but also like it's super easy to get discouraged. And that's kind of how I got like my first couple of years of hunting. I just shot like dinks, man. Like I just shot some really small ones. I didn't really like, I just shot the first year that walked by because didn't yeah. And that white tails can get so big if you just let them grow.
0: Yeah. That's, <clears throat> I can't stand when I see stuff that's like, uh, not the one I was after, Yeah. but he'll work. Like yeah. Good. Yeah. What well, not as big when I walked, I'm like, dude, you don't have to justify anything that you're doing to anybody, you know, yeah. like, We've grown up in like this jury. I'm I'm a, how old are you guys? I'm I'm 25. I'm 25.
1: I'm 19.
0: Okay. Okay, you're you're just 19.
1: Yeah. What,
0: that's awesome. Um no, but we have grown up this age of like the jury outdoors like people were like legit shooting 200 inch deer like a, a group of people like one every year it seems like. And it's like I've never even I remember growing up like the first 10 to 15 years of me hunting. I never seen a pope and young quality deer. I didn't really like I always would see like a hundred inch deer. I was like, dude, it's probably like one thirty, you know? And then I went and saw what a one thirty looks like. I'm like, okay, I've never seen a one thirty. <laughs> no, no like ever.
2: <laughs> you go from yes. Pope and Young to Boone and Crockett. But like, yeah, I definitely think that social media has spoiled everybody. Like that's kind of why we put so much um almost we got a little bit of back people saying that I got lucky with my deer and it obviously luck does play a factor in it, but we didn't want to just show the best of the best and make it seem like we know everything that we're doing because honestly, nobody out there really does like,
1: honestly, if, you're not, if you're not, learning every single year, then you're doing something wrong. Honestly, the only reason that we got that deer was because of persistence. I mean, this deer was smart, but we've only been hunting. I mean, we're young kids, dude. Like I'm 25 and I consider, I mean, I'm a young hunter being a hunter. I mean, I, I'm still learning stuff every day. Like I don't feel confident going to the woods all the time. You know, some, some, sometimes I do. Sometimes I find the spot and I'm like, the wind's great. You know, this is the perfect time of day for this, the perfect time of year for this. This is a great stand. And it, sometimes it pays off. But, like, a lot of times I go to the woods and I'm like, I hope this is the right stand. Like, I don't know. And I think a lot of with social media as well is they like to put off that they do know everything. And they just picked a random stand and it works out. And then whenever they're talking on the camera, they're like, oh, yeah, I sat in the stand because of this reason and that reason. And then for young hunters, they, they just feel like there's so much to learn that, where, like, where do you start? You know, yeah. And that's yeah. Perfect. Like I don't know what to do. I'm like, just go sit in the woods.
2: So I'm like, go you know, sit there and be still. And it's like, you're not going to be perfect. Like I can't imagine how many deer I've spooked off or blown off in my first. It wasn't really till last year that I honestly like started playing like wh- the wind. It's people rely on a lot on like scent elimination and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, there's a lot of gimmicks, and if you're a young hunter, it's easy to fall into with sponsorships. People say, you look at somebody like. Somebody's as biggest as seek one or something like that, and they're like, if say they were to be like, "Oh, this is the best stuff on the market. You need this to kill a deer." You're, you're a young hunter, like, "Well, they're killing giants. I'm gonna go freaking buy some of this." Yeah, I'll go soak my clothes in styrofoam. That's what's gonna take it, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that's that's so true. <clears throat> I mean, I think for me, it's like when I was like you're saying, I'm still learning every single day, even though I've been hunting for you know 15 plus years or whatever, however long it's been, but. I think what's helped me the most is just getting out there and finding out what not to do. Like you want to learn pretty quick, go, go sit the wrong wind and be like, why does this keep happening to me? Or go and move around in the stand. Like we, you like, you guys are saying with social media, it's just like everybody's highlight reels are always out there. Like for you guys, someone that's creating videos and like I create videos too. It's, it's like, I think it's so important to share all the times it doesn't work. Like you guys have done in your videos because I even share, uh, times where I wound a deer. It's like, yeah, that happens in people, people, you don't, I'm not going to see that on like the outdoor channel, but it happens all the time to people.
1: Oh yeah. Probably more often than not. I mean, there's, it is. And I do think that that's something, and that's something that people have talked to us about. They're like, Hey guys, I really appreciate that in your videos, you talk about like, you talk about stuff like that because for him, I mean, we could get in front of this deer, no problem. Like, it took us a while to figure out where he was but once we found the right property we could get in front of them almost every time it's just there's always something that goes wrong and we made sure to include that we didn't want to just include the quick little you know we got in front of them and we smoked them because we know exactly what we're doing because that's not the case like we want to be like we're just we i guess i want to say we want to relate to the average hunter whereas a lot of these like outdoor channels and stuff it's hard to it's hard to relate because they don't have 800 acres like we just have small plots and that we have to go knock on doors a lot of the times. and Especially, like
2: it's different with people that like, it's their full-time job. It definitely makes it um, a little bit easier. So it's like you get somebody who goes out there, and they put in 45 hours a week in the summer and scouting, and it's like they kill that deer opening day because they've watched him for the last three months in mm-hmm. velvet. It. And it's like you get the average hunter who works a full-time job, and that's Best of Us, we both work full-time jobs, and it's like mm-hmm. we're doing everything we can to do, it. and we, we, we both put in a ton of time as far as hunting, as far as filming, and everything like that, editing. Um, And so we try, like he said, we try to just relate as much as we can. Um, If you put in a good amount of work, stuff will happen, but it's like not. that's not always possible for everybody.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It's been, like, growing up watching the Outdoor Channel, watching the Sportsman Channel and stuff, it's been so refreshing to see guys like you, guys like the hunting public, Seek One, like, these average Joe style hunting guy, like you're saying guys that have full-time jobs because um it's not relatable when i see someone sitting in a um, a muddy pro blind or a redneck blind and i've hunted out of some of those too on redneck or on like a guided hunts they're freaking awesome but when you see a guy in that he's like yeah we we planted these beans and then we took them out and then we put back in wheat and it's like dude i don't even know anybody that has a tractor like i'm I i have a problem like mowing my places to hunt let alone my really like, planning crap what are you talking about best it's I so... got
2: to grow and grow in the right spot and hope for the rain yeah. and sun
0: <clears throat> yeah I'm, I'm hoping my corn doesn't get soggy like leaving it outside before I take Ooh. it to like the feeder you know what I mean I don't even have a feeder half the time I mean when I hunted the first 10 years I just dumped it on the freaking ground I yeah. mean I still do but it's just it's so awesome that it's like like you're saying on YouTube and stuff the barrier entry has gotten so easy and camera equipment has gotten so cheap in a lot of ways and our phones are so good. So like anybody can create content and we're seeing a lot more relatable style of content brought, you know, I really like that. You guys talked about it and alluded to it a little bit, but what can you tell me without spoiling the entire video about the prodigy that, that film that you guys made? Can you, can you lay out a little of the story?
1: Yeah. So he's got the, he's got the set right, right here, but Oh, baby. We found this deer. Um, we found this deer three years ago now. like It was 2019. So yeah. we had him t- uh
2: 2019, 2020, 2021. And we finally closed the chapter at the beginning of 2022. So technically, four years, three seasons worth of history with him. Um, first picture we ever got of him was a th- he was three and a half years old, um, right around 120 inches. And then we were both already tagged out, but we saw cameras and we checked, like, it, like oh. He, he had everything that was what you'd want in a deer. He just needed some time, which people, like people his jump that he made, like in the video we talked about it, um, two back-to-back years he made 30-inch jumps. Gosh dang. He went from a yeah. 115, 120-inch 8.3-and-a-half-year-old to a 183-and-5-eighths
1: 5-year-old. And, and the film itself is basically just – we documented everything this wasn't just i we got to the stand and we hit record and then you just see like him walking by sometimes like we filmed i mean there's 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 parts in the story where you know you know just because this isn't too much of a spoiler because it's in the trailer but like um you know he'll walk by but he's too far or you know he'll he'll go to shoot and miss entirely because you know, his sight was like completely loose and like, he didn't really know it. And then it's just the story and the theme is basically like everything went wrong, but (laughs) the persistence is the key. And it's basically just a journey of two year long, the struggles, the reactions, like he would be really upset because of something that happened. And I'm just like flicking the camera on and recording him, And he's just, and it's just like, it's just really raw and the emotion is real. And we take you along literally every bit of the way. And I've been told that it feels like you're actually like there with us. So that's kind of how we like to film the hunts. You know, we like to laugh in the and So we record a little bit of that. But it really is just from 2019 all the way to January 2022, which is whenever we got this stud on the ground.
0: And you guys chased this deer over several different properties too, did you not?
2: Yeah, three different properties is where... <clears throat> um and he cycled like it wasn't very far um maybe a total of because i knew where he summered and i didn't have permission there but from where he summered to where all those properties probably about a mile and a half to two miles um of the three separate properties and he kind of just made his rotations and then um, like we talked about in there we kind of five five acre permission piece which is what a lot of people miss out on it's like there it is a numbers game, and we're both. I hate confrontation, and I hate asking people for yeah, stuff. I hate it. Like for, I like, too. Hey,
1: can I hunt your property? But it's like we just <laughs> want to give something in return. We just hate asking without like giving in return. So we usually ask like, Hey, can we hunt your property? Um, you know, we'll be more than help. Like we'll be more than glad to help you mulch, mow. If you have farm animals, we'll help you take care of those. Like we, it's just tough because I hate when people come up to me and ask me for stuff because it feels like they're just taking advantage. But that's just part of the game. But yeah, it's like a lot of people miss out. Like it's,
2: I think we did miss four or five properties before we landed the one and ended up being a money one. So it's like a lot of people, the last one or two properties, like, I just can't get permission. It's like, it's a numbers game. It's from what we found, it's about a 10 to 15% return rate. So if you ask a hundred people, you're going to get around a hundred properties. like properties. Yeah, ten properties. Or, yeah, <laughs> 10 properties. Dude. Literally. But like for that, like we, we have seven or eight properties that we hunt pretty consistently now and it's like. That's pretty. I know people who have more, and I know people who have less, and it's that's kind of where we like to be right now because anymore it's too much to manage with mm-hmm.
1: cameras and if you put feet out and figuring out what pro- property to hunt. And that's 100% doable. Like, when, whenever people say they have multiple properties, instantly in your mind, it's like, oh, well, they just, you know, they must have some pool with like the, like, they must be somebody. No, like, we have three. At the beginning of season, we had like four hundred subscribers. So it's like we didn't just knock on doors and then like, "What's the Creek King?" It's like, of course, <laughs> property. That's not what happened at all. They had no idea. They still don't know. Who they <laughs> that's not, that's yeah, like, hasn't we changed. are. So it's like, if you're just an average hunter and you and your pro, your property only holds like, you know, a couple deer a year and they're just passing through because it's between bedding and food or whatever, like go knock on some doors. Like you don't have to be anybody special. You just have to say the right words and be a good person and respect their land. And you'd be surprised at how many properties you can land. The biggest thing
2: I would say is always offer something. It's like, that's worse. Like every single property we have, we haven't paid a single dollar. We don't have a single lease, nothing like that. It's all just permission permission and promises. Like we'll do like that. Like um, I think every property we have,
1: we've had to do some sort of work and it's like, they'll just give us a call. Hey, are you in town? I just want to make sure my dog didn't run away. Like I don't see him in the house or like things like that, you know? Yeah. All right. I guess I'll have to travel 25 minutes to your property to go make sure, you know, your dog's fine or whatever, but things like that happen. And this day and age, like Ohio is a very good state to hunt.
2: And now it's one of the best, if not, I'd say Austin Illinois kind of go back and forth as far as a big quantity of big deer um, for just an out of state. Uh, like not having to get a draw or anything like iowa um and so this this time now it's like everybody it's all about leases it's how much money can you offer and it's like for some people it does suck like that has ruined some properties I've, i hear a lot of stories of advances and stuff like that people saying yeah i've hunted this property for 25 years and then some out-of-state guys came in and offered ten thousand dollars to hunt it for a season a, a group of buddies and i'm like that freaking sucks because like as a farmer it's like you want to do it but like Ten thousand dollars. It's not like something that you, just, eh, yeah, yeah, no, that's no, alright. Like, yeah. So if, that's where it's like if you just offer to work instead of just saying, "Hey, can I, hey, can I hang your property?" It's like, no, because yeah. like, you gotta think if you're the landowner, it's like you have kids or you have anything like that. Like you're not, you don't want to just let somebody hang around your house for hours and hours on a time. Like, so that's what it is. I'd say just persistence is a big thing with permission and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think you guys got the right approach. Like trying to add some sort of value exchange, right? It's like, I get to hunt your property. I'm going to be respectful of it, but I'm also going to try to give you something and be a resource to you in whatever way you need. You know, I think that's definitely the way to go about it. And people, it's like the lease culture kind of sucks, but it also sucks when people ask something for nothing. That sucks almost worse than offering, at least lease you're offering somebody money, right? That's
2: kind of, it is like if somebody where you think that somebody would come out and they think that they could lease out for two thousand dollars we try to imagine what two thousand dollars of work would work for them as far as mulching or mowing or we have a couple places where we uh help with like the farm animals and livestock and stuff like that coyotes Coyotes. yeah the big thing is like if they have they have some farms (laughs) and stuff um just hey you have a problem with coyotes yeah dude like carefully come out and hunt them, Dude, yeah,
1: we can take care of So that right there
2: makes you gives you a personal connection and, and they get to know you and they get to trust you and stuff like that. Again, yeah, it just helps you in life in general and they can help a lot in gear hunting. I
0: mean. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, some of my best properties I've ever been able to hunt have just been like old ladies that are like, Will you come do my flower beds? I'm like, yep. Yeah. And she's like, sure. One lady, she You're was right. like,
2: Heck Yeah, I will.
0: Yeah, this one lady was like, if uh and and i'll ask one thing of you if if you run it up when it's wet you'll fill it in for me won't you i was like yeah if i rut it up i'll fill it in for you she's like okay then you can do whatever you want i'm like, like right.
2: heck, i'll walk out here if that's what it takes yeah no exactly
0: we did that too for a long time duck hunting i've also been on some some places like uh i live in texas now but i'm from oklahoma and um uh, i tried to get on this one north texas lease and we were looking at like we did one of those things where we found the landowner and we sent him like a, a card in the mail. Like, Hey, we don't know if you're interested in leasing this or whatever. Um, they were going to lease it to us for like two grand a piece for like me and this other guy. And it was like 800 and something acres. And the guy was like, wait, someone will pay for this land. And he was like, yeah. So they went and found some other lawyer buddies and they leased it for eight th- instead of us that maybe we shouldn't offer them the money. Maybe we should have just offered to do some work for them or something. But yeah. It's just we're in that game now of just it's just it sucks because something so cool and so many cool traditions that come along with hunting and the camaraderie and all the things that make it awesome. It's just in a lot of ways turn into the money game, you know.
1: That's what right. that's what's kind of funny too is because hunting is is like if you go in the woods and you don't know each other very well and you put a you, you put a couple hunts in you're gonna be best friends, but also. On the flip side of that, there's just something about deer hunting. It ruins friendships too, you know. Like on the same on the same exact level, you could go in, and leases could could be part of it, you know. You you ask somebody for a lease, and then your buddy's like, I know what you offered. I'm gonna sneak in and offer some offer something different and pretend like nothing happened. Like it happens, not to us, but like I've heard of some horror stories. So there's just something about the camaraderie of it that you know could be a good thing or a bad thing, I guess.
0: What's it like where you guys um, where you guys hunt for the most part? Is it small tracks for the most part, or is they're big mixed in?
2: The, 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 it depends on what part of Ohio you go to. I know south. If you go south, southeast, there's a t- or even just east, there's a bunch of anywhere from forty to four hundred acres. Um, typically, where we're at, it can range from two to three acres, all the way up to I think our biggest piece is right under eighty
0: acres. Mm-hmm okay so those are relatively small i mean
2: yeah it's it's not like we're not we're not putting up box blinds and doing a 25 acre food plot
1: like there are definitely going to be the same deer on the very north side and the very south side you know there's maybe even i guess that's kind of the part about hunting deer in ohio is especially around like where we hunt is like the deer that you want to kill is 100 percent going to be in front of somebody else so it's it's basically a rush it's basically a you don't have to outsmart the deer. You have to outsmart the neighbors.
2: And that's kind of what I was gonna say a little bit ago was that's kind of where it's come down to at this point. It's like it seems like people are fighting people people more than they're fighting like trying to kill a deer. Yeah. Like it definitely seems like it's hard enough to kill a, a big deer, let alone whenever you have to worry about a neighbor or somebody out leasing you and stuff like that. So it's like it definitely has changed. Uh, I've got a couple older friends that that are saying, "Oh, this is it's completely different now than
0: how it used to be." Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I would not like to battle other people for a deer. Like a deer is hard enough to kill on its own when you're not battling. Do you guys have any people that you guys have to battle like close to your spots or you mainly have, got permission? Like
2: one person in particular, we just have, uh, we know of a few people like that share pictures around. They brag a lot. So it's like, we get to hear a good bit of what goes around and there are some younger hunters, um, around, which good for them. like I said, um all four, the younger people getting into it. So there is there is a good bit. Of it. Very rarely, I would say, is there a deer that either of us are willing to target, like big enough for us to target that Other somebody else that. isn't.
1: And that's the thing is, like, we don't have, like, an arch nemesis where we curse their name when we yeah. pick up in the morning. But there definitely are people that you know, know of the deer that you're trying to kill. and Might you know, be hunting. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that just comes with, like learn, like, you don't, you don't really, like, blast the image. Like, you don't post it, like, I got this sweet deer. I'm like, it's it might be cool for some people, but you will have people that see that, know where you hunt, or at least where you live, and then they're going to be, like, snakes hmm. about it. But That's kind of what
2: I did with my deer. You should like, be smart. I got my picture of my deer this year, October 18th. And I hunted them all the way to January 23rd. And I never posted a picture as tough as it was. I wanted to, like, be super excited about it. I shared it to a couple buddies that, like, oh, what do you think he scores? I do oh, he's back and stuff because they know was hunting it. But it wasn't really anybody that was hunting that deer in particular. It was just people that we trusted.
0: Yeah. yeah. You definitely got to run a tight circle, especially when, like, people understand where you hunt. And, you know, it's not hard to put two and two together.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's one thing about YouTube, too, is, like, we are not – we're not, like, private. Like, we don't have anything to hide, but there is the aspect of, like – do we want people to know where we hunt? Should I not film like this part of our property because it's super recognizable? And like right now we have like four thousand subs, so it's like a lot. There's a lot of people around. Around. It's but, a like, lot. A lot of local. A people. lot of local people too, and it's like well, I don't. I don't want just anybody knowing where we're hunting. But like there's part of that when you're filming YouTube that we didn't really think about until we started. But yeah,
0: I've run into that issue where like. Um, I'll hunt like a certain WMA, like a certain piece of like public, and then yeah, someone yeah. will go in the comments and they'll be like, "Oh, this is the piece of public," and I'm like, "Dude, why? Are you, why would you say oh. that? If even what? if you knew that I was hunting there, why would you say that?" And they or do the, that.
2: Oh, is this that? Is this 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 and this and there? Somebody comments back like, "Yeah, that's it. I, I've hunted there. There's a lot of good deer." And you're like, "Well, you wouldn't scratch that one off the list. I'm never going back
0: there." Yeah, dude, it sucks. Like, and we've had it. I've had it happen. Like, even uh, even where I grew up, like. A lot of smaller tracks, right? And if people know that there's a good deer in there, you got like, you also run the risk of someone like poaching, like for your buck, like 180 plus inch buck, some people will do some stupid things for 180 inch deer. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't put it past people to walk around with a flashlight and and a gun trying to get after a deer like that.
1: We've seen it. I mean, not with that deer that I, that I know, but we've, we've heard stories and seen and seen some stuff like that. It's just, you'll have that everywhere, you know? Anytime there's
2: a deer worth killing around, odds are there'll be somebody within 10 miles that is probably poaching. It's more popular, especially with the term poaching, it's thrown around a lot. Uh, Like, that covers basically anything illegal. It can be as far as dragging a deer off of another property. Like, you shoot a deer and it runs on your neighbor's property, you drag it off, Um, or it could be as simple as spotlighting from a truck on another road in summer. To
1: literally shooting, like, a couple minutes after shooting light, like, it's technically like, I don't know. It's, it's it's not a legal term. It just kind of, it includes a
2: lot of doing anything illegal.
0: Yeah, no, that's for sure. I mean, if, I guess if that's the term, most people have probably done some sort of poaching at at some point.
2: The thing is, is like, I obviously don't condone anything like that, but it's like you shoot a deer and it goes into my property and it's, you waited eight hours and you tracked it and it's 3 AM. Go grab your deer and get it off. Like I don't wanna get up at three AM, walk all the way out there when it's twenty eight degrees to help you recover your deer. Like I think that's a lot of it. the world would be a whole lot better of a place as far as hunting would be if everybody just had showed everybody the same gratitude, like but again at the same time you're gonna have people that take advantage of it and instead of going over there to drag the deer off, they're gonna go over there and set up a stand eighty yards on your property.
0: Oh my gosh, dude. I, I don't know if you guys have seen this, um, since you hunt a lot of smaller pieces, but Um, we've noticed that when we hunt these smaller pieces, if people like figure out that you're killing deer on a certain piece, they'll set like a a stand, like on the fence line or like we've had people in thickets, like basically just face the stand over our, one of our fields. And like, it's like a, the single singular tree on their side. And it's like, dude, there's nothing for you to shoot on your side. And they're like looking over and I'm like, I wonder how many times that's happened. Do, Do people do that to you guys too?
2: Yeah, we, I've seen it a couple times, and I've heard a lot of stories, again, like advances um, of people, like, they'll look, and their neighbor, there's, the property line will be, like, right here, and their stand will be right here, facing this way. I'm like, yeah. we, well, unless you're shooting literally behind you, you're literally not going to be shooting onto your property.
1: Yeah. Like, unless, you're, unless your face is to the tree, and <laughs> it, there's nothing you should be, like, you shouldn't be shooting anything. And it it's, it's, it's a tough game. It's a tough game. So, like, if you're hunting, like... Iowa or like you know montana or like some crazy spot where like you literally just have like a bunch of property and like but when you're hunting like anywhere near a city especially kind of where we i mean we like like we said we have different parcels and stuff but there's a lot of there's a lot of that going on where like you show up and instantly your first thought is what is the neighbor doing like do they see us pulling in here or like you know are they in that stand that we can literally see like it is it's a game that I didn't think we'd have to play because we don't really hunt public that much. Um, Hardly at all. To be honest, we don't really have a reason to, I guess, Mm -hmm. but um, I didn't think that we'd have to deal with that. But I mean, getting into hunting and getting different properties and stuff like you do have to deal with weird, with the weird stuff like that for sure.
0: Yeah. It kind of stinks that we're running away. I mean, we're, we're running to like a culture of like people not being courteous of each other. Like I, I just think about it like, I would never want to do some that to someone. And two, I would never want someone to confront me about doing that. But yeah. some people, like, I don't know. Like, I'm also not desperate enough where I would risk getting in an altercation with someone over yep. a deer. There's not a deer big enough for me to do that, you know? Well, maybe 200 inch or something. But maybe, maybe you know like, what I mean? Yeah.
2: Like a, I've said that a lot in public. Like Again, I've never hunted public. Uh, there's lights like, out there, For light tails. It's like. You can't even put a camera up. No. But it's like the simple aspect of, like. People walk out there, they'll see somebody, and they'll literally set up 60 yards away. Like, if I were to walk in, I would literally apologize and just probably go home for the day. Like, man, I just screwed that guy's
1: hunt over.
0: Oh, we hunt public a a ton, and we've had people, uh, like, stop at the truck. Like, we'll pull in a truck pull in, and someone will pull them behind us. Like, where are you going? And then we're, like, over here. And they're, like, all right, I was going to go that way, too. Let's walk in. It's, like, no, no. no." Or, like, we've had people, like, walk under us. They're, like, I'm going to set up over here. And you see them get up a tree 100 yards away. You're, like, dude. You're wasting both of our time.
1: Yep. Yeah. It it's a it's a tough game. It really is. Like deer aren't dumb. They know exactly what they're doing. And if you have you have and if you have that, it's it's tough for sure. You should show us how to hunt how to hunt public, dude. We don't we don't really do that around up around here, you know, but we would like to try
0: Yeah. You guys should come to Oklahoma and hunt some public.
2: Yeah, I mean there's good public here, but I know Ohio well enough to know good spots, bad spots I can typically get with and I mean if you're in a good state like that, like it's harder to not get on 130, 140 inch gear than it is to. Like,
0: yeah.
2: all you gotta do is like no decent camera placement and a decent area. Like just look looking for traction, just being a better outdoorsman will save you a lot of time. But yeah, public I've never hunted this, so I, but I can definitely understand. People get like super excited. They're like, I'd rather shoot 130 inch public buck than 160 inch private buck just because of the work and skill and everything that goes into it. Cause it's all, I mean, you can get lucky You can walk in and set up and get lucky. But, uh, ultimately it's about learning the public spot and dealing with other hunters, like, again, just as much as you're dealing with other people or deer.
0: Yeah, well. I'd love to say like a one sixty is like a one thirty, but I've never shot a one sixty on private, so I'm gonna wait till that happens to comment on it. But no, we had a, we've had some really good luck on on public. Like my buddy Jake, uh, we hunted a this one tree. We shot three bucks out of one tree in one year. The last buck that Jake shot on on that piece of public, 162 inch, eleven point on public, and I was like, dude. This is like the mecca. This is like a 200 inch deer on like to me at least like 160 on public. I was like, doesn't get any better than this. Like this is yeah. awesome.
1: That's the other thing too. Like it depends on what part of the country you're in. Like you can see a two like a 200 inch deer and in like the Midwest and like all right, I mean it's a great buck 100, percent but like yeah you just you have to you have to keep in mind the nutrients and the stuff that's in some of those like southern states like
2: yeah you go to like north carolina and they see like a,
1: anything over 100 inches right.
2: like oh my god i'm doing a full body mount right now <laughs> yeah but it's just kind of where it's it's just kind of where you're born and raised i guess i would like to hunt some of the states to so definitely be humble though it's like when you hunt a really good state and get blessed to be able to do that it's like i feel like everybody takes it to an uh takes advantage of it without really realizing it and it's like to go out there and hunt an entire season the biggest deer you see is a six point like 80 inches like that definitely would humble you
0: oh yeah well and i've got a i've got a buddy who they own a few a couple thousand acres down in southwest oklahoma and he gets for it like he shot so many deer that are 150 like on private just like we'll go out and like he won't even get his binos up for like a 140 and i'm like like just watching in like amazement yeah I'm like, look at that he's like i know i'm looking at something else uh and he, they've shot so many 150s but it's like he's he there's like six or seven people to hunt this property and he's like yeah i mean it's discouraging because we've managed this property with qdm like for the last 20 years and we've never seen a deer like 170 or better and i'm like yeah that does suck and like you like you guys are talking about like being localized, sometimes those areas don't produce enough food or enough nutrients to get a deer over one seventy. Like they just they just don't, and they've they've seen that for like the past twenty years. Even even with practicing good management, and it stinks.
2: Yeah, even depending on like where you hunt, if it's like if you can have the best management tactics in the world, like you pass every deer that's under five and a half years old, one hundred eighty inches, four and a half, nope, let them go another year. But if everybody else around you is on the same boat, page and if it's brown it's down it's
1: like you can't ask him over to pass 180 inch deer because his deer could have been 200 inches next year we i mean yeah he, he could have put on another 20 30 inches i mean he's only five and a half um but it's like man I we, should have shot him. <laughs> 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 we weren't able to take that risk because it's like i don't trust anybody let alone poachers i mean like like he said if anybody knew about him, i mean they'd go out there in the middle of summer and cheered him off for all we know but it's like you do have to be on the same page and kind of how you said there's there's a culture of like not sneakiness but like like being reserved with like what you say and stuff so i don't know that's that would probably be our dream is to have some land like me like maybe not like a thousand acres but you know just a little bit bigger than what we have where we can practice like pretty good property management we can only do so much with the properties we have because they're not ours. I mean, some of them are, but you know, those aren't the ones that are like practical to put in like food plots or, you know, like watering. You know, stations Orals, and okay. stuff. So, but. Yeah.
0: I wanted to ask you is that since you're hunting a lot of smaller pieces, what are you guys able to do as far as like improving properties? Is it really like cutting shooting lanes and putting, putting corn out? Is like, is that basically all you can do to so these properties?
2: Bit, um, well, we start we start in summer with like licking branches. Yeah, we start with like we start with scrapes, working it out. But a lot of it starts with now. Like this is the time that people, their season's done. They hang up all their stuff. Some people shed out some people don't. This is when I probably put in about forty to fifty percent of my total season's work is from now till about July. It's because now, right now, you go out there you with snow. You can see every bed. You can see every trail. You can see where they're eating late season. It's like. Yeah. The idea of killing a deer opening day sounds awesome. It's not realistic or probable for a lot of people It's like you need to learn the deer and for some of those properties, but a lot of it is, um, we do some hinge cutting, we do playing, we do plant some stuff, um, uh, shooting lanes, but a
1: lot of it is just finding the travel corridors. And creating and, a tighter funnel, you know, out of like with those, with those hinge cuts, um, we use, we use a lot of feed. You know, we, we like to keep our deer, uh, you know, healthy and stuff. So, um, that kind of just like sucks them in the area. And then once they're there, we can manipulate where they go or at least see which direction they're coming from. So we run a lot of trail cameras. Um, but as far as like, what's not our, our property, it really just depends. Like, I don't want, we don't want to be bothersome to some of these people. Like they hardly let us hunt. So I don't want to like every week, Hey, can I go drop some corn off? Or like, you know what I mean? like you really have to read the person like like we've 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 got some really cool property owners who are like really cool cool people that we weren't expecting like we knocked on the door and we're like oh you're like 25 and they're like oh yeah yeah you know so it's like you just kind of have to feel it out and it really depends but we don't do like food plots or anything if it's not like our property because you never know we could put in all that work and then at the end they're like hey somebody offered money somebody offered money or i'm moving you know and then you're like i have a perfectly good food plot that i can't get permission from the new owner so you just don't want to you you just kind of have to read the situation
0: is there any part of a uh, shooting deer that makes it less satisfying over corn i shoot a ton of deer over corn and i get some hate from some people on youtube about it like the what we-
2: <laughs> yeah so i technically what i would say i shot mine over corn um uh, not necessarily. That's what brought him in. I mean, if you watch the video, you can see he came in really to push off other, every other deer. We hadn't put any feet out there in a while because we were out there hunting every day. But, um, I know honestly, if it went with a big deer, like I've, I've talked to a lot of people. I'm like, I'll give you a thousand dollars if you go out there and you kill 183 inch deer over corn for most, mm-hmm. most deer. It's impossible to get a deer in daylight. I got people, should, I see so many pictures of big deer working advances and it's 2 AM, 3 AM. 11 p.m. like it's all on corn but it's like it's awesome dude but are you willing to backtrack and put in the work and it's like so many people that people don't realize because a lot of people hide it very well a lot of people do it and it's like it you you have to find the line there has to be a straight line because it's hunting over an ag field it's hunting over bait sure it's 200 acres but you're bringing them to a specific spot and i've had some arguments and I don't care. Like i at the end of the day, I, I feel content with it. I don't really feel like it makes it any easier. Um, it's no different than putting in a food plot. It's no different than hunting over an ag field. And some of the biggest names out there, I won't start calling people out, but the biggest names out there that people edit out a lot of stuff that you don't see. But if you look for it from an editing standpoint or filming standpoint, you're like, ah, I see what you guys did. And it's, yeah. Uh, if people knew they would change a lot of their perspectives, but it's like, that's the argument. It's like, where, where's the line? Why is it okay to hunt over ag fields? But why is it not okay to hunt over – and again, a corn pile makes it seem like you're going out there and putting out a 1,000 pounds in a literal straight mound. Like, we like to spread it out literally over 20, 30 yards because, like, one, it makes it last longer if it's not just in the same pile they have to work for it, and, two, uh, it's not putting them in one direct spot. Like, it gets deer around mm-hmm. the area.
1: And that's the thing he he mentioned it's hard to get a, it's hard to kill a big buck over corn you can kill a doe over corn you can kill you know you know what we would call like a basket rack over corn but like if you want to kill a big deer it's super hard because for one they're not just cruising around they're alert as soon as they step out like let's just say like his deer he never just walked in like It took him 10 to 15 minutes from the time we saw him to even get within shooting range. And that's because he's alert. He knows a corn pile is not normal. He's not stupid, you know? So, it's like, to kill a big deer over corn, it's a lot harder. And, like, sure, if we don't have to do it, we won't. Yeah, He he killed his just during rut. I just killed mine during rut. And I'll be honest with you, we never seen that deer in our lives. And we got lucky. We put in the work and we put the stand right. And I sat with the correct wind and I knew that I'd probably see something. But, like with his deer it's just they're alert i would rather have a deer just cruising around like following a doe or just you know just kind of going to and from an area which is a good strategy but like you can't outfeed if you can't outfeed the neighbors you yeah. won't see that deer ever that's kind of what i was going to i'll set an example which we had
2: five acres around i would say it's probably from the center of area where we're hunting probably about 20 to 25 other hunters and i know of at least 15 to 20 of them that do uh, bait um, so at the end of the day, there's, I think in the area, it's a few hundred acres of total land. And it's like, if you don't do anything, they're just done. And it's not something we utilize year round. It's like, we, I didn't hunt that deer a corn until December late, December, late December, like, so come October from summer, I'm hunting evening food, mornings, um, in October, mornings, late October. And like. Hunting scrapes, hunting travel quarter. So it's like there is a difference between killing a deer over corn because you have to do that, otherwise somebody else is going to have a shot at them, and a difference between putting yourself in the right spot. Like, like what we would love to do. Like, I, I would love to just not have to buy corn ever again in my life. But some some spots like that, when you only have five acres and there's nothing pulling them to your spot, you got you got to do what you got to do. So, but to answer your
1: question, I don't think it takes me. Any- it doesn't take any of the like valor or like honor away from it for me at least it's like how do you catch a fish you put a little shiny dangling thing on it like that i mean you do what you have to do i mean it would be nice if you could just you know go out there bare naked with your face paint and uh and you know hunt, hunt from the ground while you're running 25 miles an hour but like, with
0: a spear yeah
1: we don't really do it like that anymore i guess and again it always comes back to well hunting an arrow feels completely
2: different and i'm like P- prove it to me how what's different about it you're you're hunting them over food and it's the same aspect of it's always, it's typically a lot of older people and it's they killed a deer back in 1930 whenever nobody else hunted and it was during the middle of rut and they're like oh it's 150 inches and it's the biggest deer in the world to them and it's like i mean that's just where i'd love to have like the fine line of what's okay to hunt over and what's not because it's like you could say the same thing about putting scents out you're baiting mm-hmm. them into the area or scrapes, making mock scrapes. You're using what they're doing. It's like, it's an endless cycle and it goes back to how hunting is nowadays. It's constantly tearing other people down for not hunting
1: how they want to do. And it's How do you feel about cell cameras? Because that's kind of a big oh, thing.
0: Okay. Yeah, dude. So I uh, I just now got into cell cams this last year. Okay. Um, so I've got the spy points, which if you're listening to the spy point, they suck. Fixed I, was about- I was about to say, <laughs> um, I please, next- God. Oh.
2: If you to work more power fricking to you, because more, true. more
0: don't than that do. Yeah, no. And I bought them cause they had like a, they had like the combo pack for like two for like one fifty. Yeah, I was true. like, Dude, this is a steal. Like even if they work half the time. Well, so I got a lease that's like, I got like 110 acre river, like a river bottom lease. It's probably three hours from me. And so I'm like, it's not practical to go feed. It's not practical to go check cameras. So I'm like, I need a cell cam. So I set up a cell cam. No signal. No. And, and like, And I got I got like a ton of pictures and they flood in, but like the overarching like idea of cell cams, it dude, it's like cheating in a lot of ways. Like, you think so? No, I I I wouldn't ban it, but it feels like cheating. It's definitely not cheating, but it feels like cheating when I first got mine and I was like, oh my gosh, it's there like right now, I can see it. I love it. I, I think you should use you should use technology in any way that can help you as long as it's not a hindrance to the animal. And like same thing with like maps, you can go the same like on X maps like. People you didn't used to walk a mile and a half back into public because you get freaking lost, you know. Yeah. Now people do. Same thing with cell cams, like. But you know, it's like as humans, we take everything that's good and we make it we make it bad. But I like I like cell cams. I think they're I think they're dope.
2: I don't think it really changes anything because people are, I know from out west people are saying a lot of like, oh, you get a real uh, real time picture of it, and you can go. I'm like, please, I will going you spot and stock it. I'll give you a hundred dollars if you sneak in there on a deer.
1: 40 yards into the
2: woods and you don't get caught. Like, go ahead, bro, go ahead.
1: We're the compound bow at that. Or like Boone and Crockett saying, like, if you've ever had a cell camera that assisted you with your hunt, then they won't count it. And there's a lot of Boone and Crockett stuff that is just kind of like, fishy and what, why? But, like, just in general, I know that's kind of a hot-button topic right right now, so, I mean, it's up to you if you want to talk about it. But just in general, that was something that Ohio – there was like a rumor going around that they were going to make it to where you can't, you know, you can't use cell cameras and a lot of people got fired up about that.
0: That's whack. Why not?
1: I don't know. I don't the, know. The, I've looked into
2: like that West and stuff. A lot of it is, um, uh, electronics. They don't, any electronic, like you said, any electronic item aiding in your ability to kill it, which you can go back to literally
1: anything or what like age, a, age your ability, like a Garmin bow site that like, like rain fighting mm-hmm. site. Yeah. Uh, i think i think that just goes down to like hunting is such it's such a a unique thing because people are so passionate about it like you're literally going into woods and killing an animal but there's something so primal and there's something that like just clicks you either have it or you don't but when it does click it's you it's all or nothing and i feel like the way you've been taught by your grandpa there is no other way to do it and you're going to defend that way because it's important to you and i feel like that's how a lot of people are you know like well my grandpa went out there you know, and all I hunt with is a shotgun and we only do it during that way, and that's the best way to do it. And it's like, well, there's just different ways and people have to be okay with it. I think people are just offended at everything nowadays.
0: Yeah. Well, so we like to use trail cams on public all the time. And one of the reasons we're not like Missouri was like a border state for me growing up. One of the reasons I don't hunt Missouri, you can't hang trail cameras on public. I'm like, that's dumb. I'm not I'm not taking time off of work driving up here and having no data about anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Granted, that's fun, and I do do that in some sense, but I'm not going to, like... People are using their hard-earned vacation time, their time off away from their family.
1: That's just
2: hunting. And just shifted from, like you said, like how your grandpa used to hunt. Like, oh, you kill him in a flannel. Yeah. Anybody can kill (laughs) an average deer. Like, you can go out there and kill 130-inch deer depending on your state pretty easy depending on how much work you put in. It's like they were out there hunting a couple times. Like, for us, we hunted probably more total combined, probably close to a thousand hours this year. And it's like, so you can get data, but that's not practical for a lot of people. A lot of people aren't able to do that. And it's like you said, if you only get a week of vacation, you're like, yeah, hey, I'm not going on family vacation this year because I want to go hunt. And then you go out there and you're freaking just like, well, I didn't see a single deer. It's going to be a tough one to explain to the life.
0: Oh yeah. hundred percent. I'm definitely not doing that. Like we're going to hunt, for instance, we're going to try to hunt Kansas this year as an yes. out of state. I can't drive ten hours and check cameras in Kansas. It's not practical. That's dumb. Not I'm not going to do that. Like I, and literally the, especially in in Biden's economy when gas is four dollars a gallon, um, I can literally it makes more sense for me like to put some out and let some cameras get stolen than it does for me to drive up there and it's check them. Right?
2: for a ten-hour drive is cheaper. It
0: would be. It would be cheaper if someone jacked one every time I went back up there instead of me just driving.
1: Also, a quick tip use ultimate lithium or lithium ion batteries. If you use just like regular batteries, by the time you get home, you're going to have to drive all the way back to freaking change them. Like, yeah, we, we got a couple of show cams this year. You buy yeah. more, you buy more batteries or more money's worth in batteries than you do in like arrows and broadheads and stuff. It's crazy. I mean, we, we run them pretty much all year around, not all of them, but we keep some up, but I mean, it's ultimate lithium ion batteries.
0: Check it out. Sick. What do you guys do about the data plans? Like those are expensive too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, So right now I pay for all those. um, And so I run, this year I ran a mix of TAT cam and uh, Moultries going into next year to be strictly TAT Not that I didn't like the Moultries, but $17 a month for unlimited. For
0: unlimited cameras?
2: Unlimited photos for one camera. So okay. I ran like four of those and then I ran like eight cans, which was like thirteen for the first one, and then everyone after that's twelve. So you do the math, it gets it gets expensive.
0: Yeah, that is expensive. I was paying like thirty bucks a month for these two cameras, but I wasn't mad. I, I was just mad that they didn't freaking work. I was and then I'd get my I Hey, quit. Dude, I got a French Bulldog, he's such
1: an idiot. Gosh dang. <laughs> you should see Zach's dogs. I don't even want to talk about my dogs. It, it, this is a happy place right here, okay? We need to stick <laughs> in this happy place.
0: You got some ankle biters or what?
1: I got okay, a, an, an ankle biters. Funny story, me and my wife wanted a dog. I wanted a big dog. I wanted like a German Shepherd Lab Mix. Mm-hmm. Cool. We looked that up and we found a German Shepherd Lab Mix. And it was kind of sketchy, like the way it all happened. And I was like, all right, cool. I mean, I don't really care if it's like a perfect pure, pure purebred or whatever. I showed up, I grabbed the dog and it was kind of small, you know, like it was really, it was like, it was like a really young puppy. And we expected it to turn into like this German shepherd lab, like cool dog. And it just turned into a wiener dog. And I'm like, (laughs) wait a (laughs) second. So I have a wiener dog, believe it or not. And it is, uh, she's not very nice to people. And then I have a German shepherd, but they're both a little bit of a pain in the butt, but it is what it is.
0: I've been, I've been wanting to get a German shepherd, like, really bad now
2: basically if you do that you just have to do the training you, it's like you, you have to spend a thousand bucks to get them trained. otherwise it's just like and it's tough to have them as strictly as an inside dog because they're set they get 80
1: to 100 pounds and it's like they're freaking they want to just be outside so it's like they just have a lot of energy and if you let them out and you like i don't know i would prefer all my dogs even the wiener dog to be an outside dog if i could control it because that's just how i feel like dogs should be but i don't know
0: that's. I grew up with dogs like uh like in the backyard on a chain. Not yeah. only were they in the backyard, they like kept getting out, so like had to live on a chain. Yeah. My wife like thinks that's like cruelty. I'm like,
1: it's fine. Your dogs.
0: Your yeah, dogs. they're seriously dogs. Yeah, that's funny. I love I love German shepherds. My dad uh my dad actually used to be a police chief, and he has a guy um that he used to work with. He's like, if you can get me a puppy like a German shepherd puppy, he's like, I'll train it for you.
1: That's awesome. and like
0: I was like, dude, that's like take that deal, dude. Yeah, that's good. Good money you know, I could sure say.
2: He'll be able to kill anybody at the split <laughs> of a freaking word. Yeah, and you know, somebody messes around and they get killed.
0: But well, dude, it was sketchy. Uh, we moved to Fort Worth like last May, and uh, someone tried to break in our house like the first like week we were here, and we we're like in a really good neighborhood. Yeah. And my dog, like you can't wake my dog up. Like he gets under the covers and tries to go back to sleep like and in the mornings Yeah. and so i was like dude he's not worth anything like someone's gonna stab me in the middle of the night and he's just gonna be like looking like let me go back to sleep and i was he'll like wait. i need a big dog
1: no that's that's funny yeah german shepherds are just like it's just drained in them like he'll just constantly scan every room like if he's laying down for like 10 minutes he'll just get up and walk and check each room and it's like at first i was like what the heck is he doing but i guess they do that just to like make sure everything's cool but yeah i mean my dog, like he wants to please us and he wants to like be a good dog and in a way he is, but like he just isn't trained, like he doesn't know how to. And that's just our fault. Like we just didn't put him yeah. in time. So now we have to spend two grand to get him, you know, trained by a professional and then life maybe won't be so miserable for me at home.
0: You you wanna <laughs> see what like peak male performance looks like in a dog? Yeah. All right, check this out. <laughs> what a stud. Hey buddy, <laughs> what's his name? That's when I got my headphones on. He can't hear you. This is Winston oh. though. Oh. Look at that ugly dude. Yeah, That's like genetically modified.
1: That's awesome.
2: Starts screaming like They <laughs> hey. Hey buddy. Hey.
0: Yeah, this dog is literally like made in a lab like in a test tube somewhere. There's no way. He would not survive outside.
1: That's it is. <laughs> if I didn't feed him for one day, he would be dead.
0: No, seriously. It's <laughs> it's terrible.
1: Just like eat, eat the couch.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you guys have a uh, you guys have a saying on your YouTube like pass the good ones. Mm-hmm. What's what's the what's the rationale behind that?
1: Um, honestly, that okay. wasn't really our mentality going into the season at all. Like, kind of. I mean, if you watch Prodigy in his video, which we just posted like a few weeks ago, but at the end, he's like, you know, pass the good ones to get the great ones, and he's like, that wasn't really our state of mind going into the season, but it is now because that deer made two 30 inch jumps for yeah. me at the point in time in 2019, if that deer walked in front of me, I'd have let the arrow fly. Cause I just, I got in the woods. I didn't like, I didn't have enough money to afford like super good camo, So I'd always be shaken and it'd be like November 3rd. Right. right? And I'm, yeah, I, I'm pretty much me mad. I always took him to a couple of my good spots and three years in a
2: row, he the first time I took him out. He shot a book is the first on everything and i'm like dude i've been hunting for like 150 hours in and it's november so
1: i just shot you know we just shot the. i mean i did i don't know about you but i definitely just shot like the first deer that i saw that i was happy with because to me watching them grow like no one taught me that i didn't see that anywhere so like if i saw the deer and it made me happy i'd shoot it but now i know what makes me a whole lot more happy is to see them grow a little bit and you know, I think to answer your question, where it came from was this year. Um, you know, when I killed my buck, um, his name is Turkey foot Eight. We also have a video of that on our channel. Um, I had a how big do you think that deer was? One fifty? What? Tall or tall? Taller. Oh yeah, the one eight was probably like a one one forty-five to one fifty as an eight point. So, so I'm sitting in this tree. It's during rut. I had no reason to believe that a bigger deer would walk past me. Right? As from what I saw on trail this the yeah this deer was probably should have been a shooter you know what i mean but he walked in front of me three separate times and each time i'm just sitting there and i'm like contemplating and at one point he bedded down like 32 yards away from me and sat there for an hour and i just sat there and watched him for an hour like i could literally shoot him right here so like past the good ones really kind of started whenever that deer walked away for the third time and i've started thinking i'm like should I should have shot him. I should have shot him. I was starting to like go back on like, well, what if I don't see a, a bigger deer? Like there was, we had good reason to believe that we wouldn't have seen a bigger deer. There wasn't any evidence of one around, um, at least on that property. And then a couple hours later, like the deer that I shot walked by and he was just a whole other class of deer for me. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad hindsight looking back that I passed that deer three, three times because it put me in front of the deer that I, it put me in front of the biggest deer that I've had at that point. And, you know, it kind of just came out of my mouth whenever I walked up on him and I'm like, dude, this is a giant, you know, we were super stoked. And it just kind of came out like you got to pass the good ones to get the great ones. And then like we said it a couple more times, you know, just in conversation back and forth. And then it kind of just became like a little thing that we put on some of our stuff. And, uh, you know, that's kind of just like this season's motto. I don't know if that's something we'll just like keep for the rest of our, our time at Creek Kings, but this year definitely like. just seeing what a deer can do. It's like, like, what a deer can do with the different
2: classes yeah. of deer. And it's like, and I would say kind of for, like, from a management standpoint, it's kind of if you go back, we made a a 2021 recap, and it was kind of really cringy because of how excited I was about my buck, about <laughs> Prodigy last year, like 150-inch 10-point, uh, and I was just, like, freaking out how it was the biggest deer ever. And then going into this year, seeing how much he blew up, we were like, dude, like, maybe, that, maybe there's a reason that everything has gone wrong so much, and then it continued to go wrong and ended up being good. But it's like, that's kind of when it started, just seeing, like, some deer have that in their genetic abilities to like, like he made such a big jump from
1: three and a half to four and a half. We didn't even know was the same deer. We honestly contemplated after seeing or after just like having the mentality of passing the good ones, we had a couple conversations and it's kind of stupid thinking about it now of uh, passing the deer that he shot because we like, we know where he summers. We might be able to have a shot at him and we had talked about it. And then once we got him scored, we were like, Okay, I'm glad we didn't. So yeah, yeah when who knows I was thinking order. on
2: from trail cam photos, um, the main thing that you can't really see about him is that, <laughs> like it's in person, but he has, 28 inch main beam on this side and a 27 and a half inch main beam here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has four times over 10 inches, and then I think roughly over 35 or 40 inches of mass. So it's like, you can't really tell, but it's like he didn't look. He looked bigger from last year, but it wasn't another 34 four and a half inches bigger. It was just like, I thought he was mid to upper 60s. And I was like, I mean, he's a good deer, but I was like, I think next year, I was like, he could definitely be in the situation of being maybe 180s. And But we didn't have another deer on camera, and we're that was not the same class. We had that same eight and some stuff like that, but it was mo- mostly for creakings. I was like, well, I mean, we got to put a big deer on the ground. And I was like... It's the only one we really knew of that was like worth shooting at that time. At that point, it was... Middle of January, and our season only goes to the first weekend of February. So we had three and a half weeks to find bigger than or equal to 165 inch deer. And it was like, well, that doesn't seem very practical.
0: Yeah. It's kind of crazy to me. You guys can hunt till February. Like, we, we our season ends January 15th. And, really? yeah. Yeah. And like, when's your
2: guys open though?
0: October 1st.
2: Oh, wow. So yeah, it is just a good bit short. Our starts the last week in a September, like the last week in that Saturday, and then it goes to the Sunday of the first weekend of February. Yeah, last year was September 25th to February 6th. I
0: 6th. Believe. Do you ever have bucks dropping horns like before yeah, the season's a over?
2: Couple, yeah. So all of our deer right now that I have on camera have dropped already, um, but we had a couple before season ended that kind of scared me because my deer disappeared for a couple of
1: days and there was a big, big body shedded buck and I was like, well, we didn't know. <laughs> we were like, once we saw that buck, we both looked looked, looked at each other and we're like i him. really hope that's not him because he i mean you can see it in the video like in the prodigy video it's like the day of the shot the hunt that we actually like went in and like we actually killed him it was like 40 minutes before he came in but like we saw him and both both sides were, were shed and he was an old deer so right like, we didn't know, you and know the, was then that, the, the day before i had seen a deer that same deer i believe um about 50
2: yards out literally the same mannerisms, the same thing as my deer acted, like just being super cautious. And I was just sitting there watching when he never came in and I, I was trying to record him as best I could, but it branches and stuff. And I was like, I think that might be my deer. And the only reason we were really worried about it was early in the season, November, he got his eye gored out and um, it ended up being fine. But I was like, I don't know if maybe that affected him and he's going to drop really how bad that really, how deep it went into his eye, how, if he's just sick, if he's going to die. And I was like, all of a sudden, all of a sudden was going through my head. And I'm like, I'd hate to pass, the, pass this year this year. And then, God forbid, he dies from infection or something over the summer. And then I just passed what well, I would have found out to be 183
1: inch deer. When do they shed where uh, where you're at in Texas? So,
0: even though I live in Texas, I, like, rarely hunt here. I, hunt in, I have my lifetime in Oklahoma. So, I hunt there 95% of the time. Like, my lease is there, and then we hunt public there. But, so... I'd say probably 30 or 40% of the deer have shed by now, and then a lot of them will hang on to them to like, early March. Yeah, because
2: it's the, the winters aren't really harsh, though, yeah. right? Now.
0: No, not, and I think that's probably why your deer shed so quick, like, like they we just get, have get rid of them.
2: I dropped three and a half inches of ice on top of that. We had, like, six inches of snow on top of that, so it's like... Food scares obviously adds a lot of stress
1: to them, so it ends up causing them to drop earlier. You can't dig through ice to find your food, so they just panic and they like stress out a whole lot. And it really just depends on the amount of stress that they have. But yeah, a lot of ours have dropped already. So, with lifetimes like that,
2: um, even though you're not a resident, do you have to ever pay anything again, or can you always have your license?
0: no so that's what's pretty cool about it is i actually looked it up because i was scared for a little bit i was like i think i'm doing something illegal you know and then i looked it up and it's like they have to honor it so it's a light like once you buy a lifetime in a state it's basically like from a legal perspective you always have been a resident and you always will be a resident there that's
2: a crack, i thought that's about doing that be. in iowa like moving to iowa
0: because i was i was like
2: i'm gonna move to iowa for like half a year, get by my lifetime or
1: whatever. And then like 20 grand in one, one year and be set for life. Literally never have
0: to do it again. So in high school, uh, my mom was considering taking a job in Galena, Kansas, which was like 30 minutes from where we lived. And I was like, we should, she's like, why? I was like, cause well, so we lived there for six months. I can get my lifetime in Kansas, you know? <laughs> and it sucks now cause I live in Texas and I'm like, I'm not buying a lifetime here. I don't give i a- I'll freaking buy a tag every time I hunt here. I don't like, I don't like it that much here as far as hunting goes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well you could probably pull a Charles BD or whatever. Oh or, like, god. Sneaking those ranches. Dude, we watched that podcast. That was I so watched freaking out. Two and a half hours of that straight. If you're watching this and you haven't seen that, check out his other podcasts, dude. It is so fun to listen to. That was so oh. like I was actually like I would I work from home and I'm just like dropping calls because I'm just like wanting to listen to like what he's saying. That was really interesting.
0: Dude, he's a madman like
1: yeah i definitely but like i would be like like he was talking about the freaking
2: movie i'm like dude i would freaking pay like a hundred bucks to freaking watch a movie of all that
0: i want him to narrate it dude he's (laughs) gonna
1: make one that'd be
0: sweet (laughs) he was telling me he messaged me one day and was like uh like the guy who produced yellowstone or whatever he's like yeah we're talking about making a movie i was like what
1: that's crazy
0: i i don't know they they ought to make a movie about him because he's He's freaking crazy. He knows he is. But...
1: Does he have, like, any footage or, like, pictures of all of it? Oh,
0: dude. um, In his book. One second. Yeah. I mean, I've been keeping all the books that I've been reading. But so he has a book, right? And uh, he sent me a signed copy of his book. Like, in his book, he'll, like, put all of these pictures of the deer he shot and stuff. Oh, my God. And like he's got a bunch of like black and white photos of him in there with like six bucks, like just holding them all. And I'm like, oh, dude,
1: had a like, good day in the woods today. You're like what? We followed him on Instagram, and he has he has some stuff on there too.
0: Oh, he types in all caps.
1: Yeah, I freaking love it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Only talks in all caps. He types about like he talks, just like always on it. Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a funny guy. Um, gosh dang, he's a story. He's a storyteller, dude. Just he's, he's got like.
1: Like he's really
0: good at it. Love, like I hate what he what he did and how he did it, but gosh dang, the stories are like undeniably crazy. Stop listening, dude. Yeah, yeah it's like one of those things. It's like when they interview like a murderer. Like I have to listen. Yeah. I don't know why I have to. For sure.
2: Especially yeah. with about deer, it's like I mean he's still pretty hunting and like he's out there freaking. Doing more stuff than anybody freaking would put in a food pond. He thought they're risking his freaking
0: <laughs> Yeah. Oh, when he's talking about almost dying after 28 days, I'm like, bro, if you want to kill one that bad, that's on you. Like,
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. he talks about it. He talked about it in one of the podcasts. I don't know if it was the second one, but he's like, oh, yeah, I saw a mainframe 10 by 10.
2: Yeah. And I-, I was
0: like, I was like, how big do you think that was? He's like 190s. I'm like, there's no way. Like, that's why I was saying, I
2: was like, and that's what I think. Like, I mean, obviously he knows it better than we do. But like, he seemed super like realistic with like the scores. Like he did, he wasn't like, oh, that's a two ninety. Like, like everything was like he would he would hype up the deer. He's like with that with that score. He's like, oh, one seventy
1: three. I'm like, what? Yeah, the one <laughs> that he was talking about like the double drop, double drops, sixteen inch drops. I'm like, what is a freaking spike? I I was like, let me take you to my buckmaster score, and he'll tell you the real score.
0: Yeah. No, he, dude, he shot. So, he's talked about like rattling up like a 160 inch deer, and he's like, I just wasn't happy with him, so I let him walk. I'm like, dude, that makes one of us. I'm never letting deer (laughs) like that walk. Does
2: he have them all mounted and stuff? Does he like still have all of
0: them? I think he has quite a few of them, and he has pictures. I think of like all of them um, (laughs) because he's a taxidermist, so he mounted all of his own deer. Um, Yeah, I think he, I think he has quite a few of them.
2: Hmm, we freaking sweet. Where did he travel from with you or did he, did he like, travel Texas. out? Or Texas, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, he's in he's in Texas, so he came up to the house actually for the podcast and we recorded at the house. which just it's pretty fun. Yeah, he comes in and he sees like the 130-inch deer that I have on the wall. He's like, "That would make a nice set of rattling horns." I'm like, "Dude, that's disrespectful." That's like, <laughs> "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: he,
0: every time I every time I kill a good one he comments on my on my post. He's like, uh That'll make a good set of rattling horns. I'm like, dude, I'm not using 140 inch deer as rattling Block. horns. Block, exactly.
1: right then and there. <laughs> exactly. Talk about that. I told
0: somebody
2: I was gonna use my deer this year. I was like, these a good deer. I was like, I said, I bet you he's gonna. Whenever I use his horns next year, rattle. I'm bringing a good one. They
1: looked at me sideways. <laughs> they said, "You said
0: what?" Tell me a little bit more about the the turkey eight story. The turkey foot eight. Like that was a really cool buck. Why'd you end up calling him that?
1: Um, Turkey foot eight. Um honestly like like we said before we'll just be completely honest i had no idea this deer existed even i talked to the people around where i where where we where that property is and we know a good amount of people around there and they're like and they're avid hunters we've never seen that deer either so it was during that deer probably came in from miles and miles away but um so essentially i'm just sitting in a stand i pick a stand that i've never hunted before we uh we put it up during the summer and kind of forgot about it, but during the summer, we we're like, oh, this is a money spot, but we just put in like a lot more work and we just kind of forgot about it. And then I was like, well, I think I will go hunt that stand because the wind was, a, was a specific way. And I'm like, I think, I think it'll be a good morning. It was like 28 degrees. I come up in the stand. The morning hunt was awesome. I saw a ton of deer that day. Like that might've been the best day of hunting I've ever had. And not just because. I killed a deer that, you know, I killed a big deer, but I killed, um, but just because the sheer amount of deer that I saw, I was just always, it was always entertaining. And then, you know, this deer, I rattle some and then this deer comes running after a doe and that doe comes right underneath my, my, my tree. And I got him on the ground and actually it was so early and we hadn't really seen any pictures of his deer yet or too many pictures of his deer, uh, big um, his deer prodigy. I thought it was him because I had, we hadn't, I hadn't seen him in in real life yet that year. So like he had stickers and he was just real wide and he was, uh, you know, he was running. So obviously didn't get a really good look at him, but you know, I thought he was his deer and I'm like, I'm gonna have to pass him because we just have that, you know, he had that we had already built, you know, a foundation of creeping he's like, this is going to be his deer. And I just respected that. But, um, he came by again and I saw that his G twos on each side were split. And then they also had a, a symmetrical sticker sticking out the back. So, like, if you look at his G2, um, they're split with a sticker in the exact same spot, and it just looks like a turkey foot. Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't really name them until we we, we got our hands on them. It and was then, my idea. And then Justin was like, you should call this one turkey foot eight. And I was like, well, I have no better idea. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, we aren't very – a lot of our names were, were big ten, tall eight, Y ten, wide eight, um, no
1: brow eight. My tall boy, wide boy, like it's literally. It's kind of funny because my wife makes fun of us for it. I like show her deer and she doesn't really care like at all. But I'm like, here, look at this deer that we just got on camera, and she goes, "Oh, is that wide boy?" <laughs> Actually, yeah, it is a wide boy. How do you know? And she goes, "Cause it's the most generic thing." Because you
2: have go three back. names that you wide
0: boy. Yeah. Hey, it works. That was pretty awesome. I, I enjoyed watching that video as well. I've enjoyed both the videos, but that one was cool too. Was that your biggest buck with your bow so far?
1: That's my biggest buck with my boat by far, and that's just because I didn't really start hunting until this year. Um,
0: it's a great <laughs> buck, by the way. Most people will probably never kill a buck that big, like a one hundred and fifty class bucks. Mm-hmm. Awesome.
1: Yeah, and like, I'm not just gonna sit here and say that we put in all the work and that's why we got that deer. Like, I got lucky, and I'll I'll be the first one to say it. Like, we put in work to bring deer in the area, but that that deer was definitely chasing tail and just walking in front of me. Um, but you know, I put myself in a good spot, you know, I put myself in a good spot for the wind and I knew where that betting area was. And that's kind of where that dough was trying to take over in. so, I mean, there's a little bit of strategy in it, but honestly, it was all luck for sure.
0: Well, you can't get lucky from the couch though.
1: Exactly. You've got to be out there and we definitely put in some time. Like we put a lot of time in the stand this year and that's, that's, that's what stinks too. We're, we're trying to hunt and put a big deer on the ground, so we're hunting every second we can, because if we don't, then we're not going to kill this deer. Um, so we were trying to release content. Like, we're trying to figure out, like, what kind of video can we release? And I'm like, none of the footage that we're getting is usable because it's just – empty unsuccessful hunts and like people don't want to watch a 10 minute video of you sitting in a tree stand making jokes i mean maybe they do i don't know but i saw like 10 people you guys are freaking awesome we save all that because next year or two years from now whenever that same deer that we saw two years prior grows up and blows up 40 to 50 inches we're like oh yeah we did see that deer and we have footage of it and it's like it's a lot of file management but trying to release content while hunting every second you can is really hard Especially when it's not your
2: full-time job and it's like every time that it is daylight, like when it, if we, like whenever it gets dark here at 4.45 and we don't get off till 5 and he lives 30 minutes away, it's like we can't be able to get any good footage of daylight or anything. And it's like any time that we do have significant daylight and we're out there hunting and stuff. So it's like it is a tough battle trying to upload once a week every 10 days or so while also trying to kill a big deer.
0: Oh yeah. It's like almost impossible during the season to keep all that straight. It's like, do I want to hunt or I want to edit videos? It's like, yeah. I want to hunt.
1: Yeah. Do you run into any of that with like your podcast and like, um, your like brand and your channel stuff? Do you like run into that where you're like, do I want to be doing this or do I want to be hunting? Or?
0: So what's kind of good, I guess good and bad is, so I live in a place where I got to travel like three hours to hunt at all. Uh, so, so you- I have nothing close. So like anytime I go to hunt, I've got to be committed to like leave the entire weekend. There's no going in a morning or going in an evening, which sucks for my marriage and all my other relationships. For because, that. But it's like at the same time, I'm not going to go hunt a Saturday morning and then drive home. You know, it's not worth the money. But so I end up spending a lot of, a lot of time at home during the week and I can edit because I'm like, well, I can't go to the woods anyways. You know, so yeah. it's good for me. But all my other buddies get to hunt. And I'm like, this sucks, you know.
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to be friends with people who, Uh, like one, like one of our friends, they, they can hunt whenever they want. Like their full-time job is doing something where it's only a specific time of the year and they have, and they make pretty good money. So like Mm -hmm. they just can hunt whenever they want. And like, it's, 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 I'm kind of jealous, but you do what you can, you know, like Saturday mornings without Justin, you know, because he would, I would probably hunt with him on Sundays and I'd film him and then I would hunt by myself on Saturdays. Cause that's just the only time that works. And I did that until November and then I got, and then I got lucky this year, but we're trying to switch things around. You know, we definitely want to make this more of a full-time thing. Um, we don't really know how soon that will be, but we're growing pretty fast. So we're pretty excited about it.
0: Yeah. You guys want to make, make content and do hunting stuff full-time eventually.
1: Eventually. Yeah. I think
0: that's everybody's dream that makes videos, <laughs> yeah. right?
1: Dude, if We could hunt for a living and I could edit videos for a living. Like I'd be sad. That is
2: a thing though, is that a lot of people don't see, they see like, um, they see they only see the good stuff, so you see like Seek one, like, dude, Lee gets to go out there and just hunt for, for fun, and like, you don't see how much time he spends scouting and uh, marketing and editing videos and talking to sponsors and doing the YouTube algorithm. I mean, if you do YouTube, you understand how difficult it is with algorithm and stuff like that, and getting keywords, everything right, yeah. keywords, and just stuff that people don't see if you don't get it. They just see him out there hunting a lot and killing a lot of big deer. They're like, dude, that friggin' is awesome, but it's like, I don't see what you actually have to do to be able to be that full time.
1: And it's like killing a big deer, killing multiple big deer, having cool photos and awesome videos. Like that's pretty sexy. Right. But then you, there's a lot of unsexy stuff about it. Like sitting in your room at 8:30 till 4 AM editing a video because you have two hours to release it. So everyone in your, all of your subscribers can like know that you <laughs> that you'll post once a week. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into it that like is a learning curve that I'm sure you probably know all about.
0: Oh yeah, dude. I spent so many nights just editing videos and I freaking like, I love it. So I just sit in my room and do it for fun. Um, but yeah, it's not a, like all, all my buddies or a lot of my buddies, like they'll, uh, they like, dude, filming so hard. And, uh, they're like, it's so hard to capture multiple angles and stuff. I'm like, dude, I have to like, I edit all your video. Like if you could do <laughs> this one thing, good, I'll, I'll take care of the rest. But no, that's, I'd like to do that full time at some point too. Like that would be the dream. And
1: you're definitely on your way, dude. Like your brand, like I love your logo and like the the quality of videos that you produce. It's, it's pretty awesome. Like I sat down the other day and watched and watched a ton of them. So you're, if nobody else tells you this, then you're <laughs> you're definitely going. For
0: Thanks, guys. I appreciate that, yeah. dude. We gotta find we gotta find some time to get linked up and do something together. Yeah, as far man, as sure. as, far as hunting goes, I don't know. uh, I've always wanted to come kill something in Ohio, like yeah. on some public. There's I think that would be awesome.
1: Here. Yeah, we don't need deer. I heard you
0: guys didn't have any big deer, but maybe like a big yearling big or something. Spikes. <laughs> That's fine, <laughs> dude. My standards go down when I go out of state.
1: Yeah, I think
2: I, I think they should. People like you expect to go and kill a booner every time, like on a spot you've never hunted before. Like have fun eating tags, especially out of state tag and license.
1: You just you just can't afford to pass like a decent one, you know. But, oh yeah, I- dude we might make our way out to Oklahoma. We have a connection over there who has been really kind to us. A good buddy of mine who is like, yeah, you know, my dad has like a ranch out there and he would totally let, let you guys hunt. And I'm like, why didn't you say this like three years ago, dude? But, yeah. no, um, so we're definitely going to try to move around and kill some, kill more than two deer this year. So, um, stay tuned for that for all of the people who are watching from Creek
0: Yeah, of course. So for people that, uh, that want to get connected with you guys either on socials or YouTube. Where can they do that?
1: Yeah. So um, if you want to follow us on uh, Facebook, it's just like Creek Kings Outdoors. Um, we're like literally the only page that has that name. Um, and then same thing on Instagram. Same thing on Instagram. You just type in Creek Kings Outdoors and then um, you know on YouTube Creek Kings Outdoors as well. We're working on a website. Um, we haven't really dropped that yet, but there's going to be some merch here soon that you guys can maybe grab. Um, but, you know, if we if it's released soon enough, we'll just, you know, text you, Christian, and then maybe you can link it in the video or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, you search Creed Kings Outdoors on pretty much any social media platform and we're not too active on Twitter, but we're working on it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I I enjoyed talking to both of you guys. This was really fun.
1: Yeah, man. Sure. And we'll we'll definitely it. do it again sometime. Yeah. Let's make this like an annual thing.
0: yeah like once a year or something
1: once a week yeah once a week or something once a week
0: or something yeah (laughs) at friday night friday nights don't play every friday night man (laughs) thank you guys so much for checking out the hunter's advantage podcast if you enjoyed the episode make sure to leave us a rating and review on apple podcast spotify youtube or wherever you listen to the podcast thank you guys so much and we'll see you in the next episode